Hello, this is Peter Jonathan Robertson with the 45th episode of the PJ Archive. It's an interview I did with the Scottish singer-songwriter and actress Sheena Easton. It took place in 1991 in Los Angeles, which had by then become her home. She was promoting her 10th studio album, entitled What Comes Naturally. I don't claim to be a trendsetter. I don't claim to be one of those artists who create new sounds and new grooves and a whole new thing, a whole new musical vibe. Um, I'm not like that. I'm just an artist that goes out there and does the music that I like. And the music that I like, I have contemporary taste. You know, my taste moves. You know, it's always jumping all over the place. And I like the contemporary music. So my music stays very contemporary, so that if you listen to one of my albums, it does tend to reflect kind of what's going on in the music business today. Do you actually prefer the dance music to the ballads, or do you like the mixture? Do you like the variation? I like the mixture, absolutely. Um, I, uh, my albums are always 70% up-tempo. My concert shows are always 70% up-tempo. Um, I like the pace of that. You know, when you look at the body of, of work, but each individual song, I enjoy a ballad, a good ballad, as much as I enjoy a good mm-hmm. dance cut. A dance cut is harder to sing, it's more of a challenge. And that surprises some people because they think, oh, with a ballad, you know, with the big high notes and all of that, that's got to be more of a challenge. But it's not because you can just open yourself up and it flows out free if you're singing a ballad. But with a dance song, you've got to worry about discipline of the groove, the beat, the rhythm, the phrasing, the pacing of it, and put some attitude and act. You've got to act more with a dance tune to act out those lyrics. So I find that more of a challenge to to actually make a good dance song. There seems to be certain sounds which go down well over here, which don't necessarily go down well in Britain, and, and vice versa. I've given up trying to chase public opinion and taste anywhere in the world here. Europe or Japan or anywhere, you can't do that. So what I do is is I just make the stuff that's right for me as an artist and then it suits my personal taste and cross your fingers and pray that people are going to like it. I have no idea if this song could be successful in Britain or Europe or Japan or Australia. I hope it will, but I don't know. I don't know. Because I don't live there so I don't get the radio and the music and everything that's being played, you know, I don't hear it every single day. So I'm not absorbing that culture on a constant basis as I am the American music. It's up to God now to decide whether or not it's going to be a hit. Who knows? How do you feel about success in Britain now? Does it matter to you yeah. as much? You know, it seems to us from the British angle that you seem to concentrate on the US and that you seem to reflect their sound more. How do you um, react to that? I don't concentrate on the U.S. or reflect their sound more. You, you seem to be concentrating your efforts on America more. Oh, I live here. Yeah. I live in the United States. Everybody knows that. Never made any secret of that. Right. I've lived here for almost 10 years. My success took off here in the States and remained consistent. My success was slowing down in Britain before I ever had my big success is here. I've never had a number one record in Britain. You know, my success in Britain never really was that big. It was it was one of those came and went sort of things there. Um, I would love to have had a, a bigger success in Britain. I'd love to have success in Britain now. I come over every year that I put out a record. 
I talk to the press, I do radio interviews, I do television, I perform my songs, and you know, like anyone else does, and I hope that it'll be successful. And if it's not, there's no hard feelings, I go away and I come back with something else. They're entitled to not like it if they don't want to play it. You know, if the radio stations don't like it, then I don't bear them any ill will. If it doesn't fit in with their musical format and their taste, then, you know, so be it. And I'll, I'll keep making my music and maybe someday I'll wake up and they'll say, guess what, you've got a huge hit in England. That would be wonderful. Does it seem strange that you come over here and this phenomenon here? And yet, in Britain, as you say, things were slowing down. I don't think it's strange. I think that I'm just blessed and lucky that I've managed to maintain an international career. Because if you think about it, think of all the artists that were in the top 20 or the top 40 whenever I had my hits in Britain. What are they doing now? The British artists that didn't have hits anywhere else. I wonder what the hell they're doing and how they feel, you know, how they're coping with things. That could have been me. I'm just really grateful and lucky that I managed to hold on to my career and that it blossomed and it got stronger and, and you know, ten years later, here I am. I'm aware of the fact that in, in the British pop marketplace, it's a quick turnover of goods, so to speak. It's a shorter lifespan over there if you have hits. In the United States, it's a longer lifespan. People seem to keep buying your records and your fans and, and, and the radio stations support you and play you and stay with you for a much longer time. Does it feel like a landmark for you, 10 years? Oh, yeah, yeah. When I first started out, I remember I used to do interviews and they'd say, so, you know, Sheena, you've had this big hit, blah, blah, blah. What do you want? What's your goal for... Where would you want to be in 10 years? And I used to always say, and still say it, because still true today, that to have a big smash hit, you know, I'd hate to have been one of those artists that came out and sold 12 million albums first time out and then never heard of again or something. Because for me, it was always, I wanted a, a real career. I wanted a career, I wanted to explore and, and get better, and I wanted to be an artist, and I wanted to have a, a shot at, at longevity in this business and so I wanted to be around in 10 years that was my big thing I want to still be doing it in 10 years here I am it's 10 years and, and I'm going well I'd like to be doing it in another 10 years I'd like to be 20 years from now still doing it and doing my best so it's yeah I think it is a landmark for me personally I mean I'm sure there's a lot of people who couldn't give a shit you know because they never liked me in the first place but for me I get thrilled by thinking that it's 10 years because it's kind of like, yeah, I hung in there, you know, it's like, kept how swimming. Mean, how do you mean people didn't like you? What do you mean, as, as an artist? Oh, well, you know, the, every artist, you'd be fooling yourself to think that, oh, you're just the darling of the whole world. I mean, that's crazy. I know that as a, as a, an artist, as a whatever, celebrity, although I hate that word, you have fans. You know, it's hardcore people that just love what you're doing. You have people who like you, you know, think you're okay, people who can take you or leave you, and people who really don't like you, who'd rather stick needles in their eyes than be caught dead with one of your CDs. So, you know, there's a broad spectrum of, of those opinions, and the people who don't like me or who are indifferent to me couldn't care less that I'm here for 10 years, but, but I'm happy about it. It's important to me. It's, I don't take it for granted, you know. I I count my blessings and and I know that I'm lucky to still be here because I do look at the people that 
because you know I'll be talking to friends of mine in England. I've still got my close friends there, and, and a name will come up. I go, whatever did happen to that group? And they'll go, you know, I don't know. We haven't heard of them. They haven't been on the radio here for eight years. And I think, shit, that could have been me. You know, it could have just been me, like anybody else, just come and gone and end up working in a bakery somewhere. Who knows what you'd be doing? So I don't take it for granted that I'm still here after 10 years. You described yourself earlier as being three quarters of the way to the top. Yeah. What do you think that missing quarter is? Or? Oh, I'll always be three quarters of the way to the top as far as I'm concerned. I mean, in, in 10 or 20 years from now, no matter what I achieve, if you say to yourself, I'm at the top, that's incredibly smug, incredibly self-satisfied. And the only way is down. And not only that, it's like how bored you must mm. be and how unchallenged and how limited your, your approach to life must be. Because, see, to me, there's so many opportunities to grow and get better and learn and try new things. And if you're successful, if you get, like, to whatever, all the way in one thing, you know, like, you really make it, you've done what you set out to do, then start a new goal, you know, go and do something else, you know. Make another thing the issue that you've got to learn and succeed and get better at, so... And also, just in the scale of things, I'm not one of the biggest superstars in the world. I'm not a Madonna or a Michael Jackson or, um, you know, one of those mega, 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 big, you know, 50 million albums sold last week people. I know that. But so, you do sell a lot of records, and you've won yeah. a couple of Grammy Awards like Michael Jackson and Madonna. Yeah. I mean, that, that must be quite an achievement. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know... I know I'm successful and I know I've done well and, you know, I've got my platinum and gold albums and my awards and all of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm successful and I feel successful, but I don't feel like one of the, the incredibly huge superstars of the world. I'm not one of those. And in terms of my own personal success meter, you know, my own little clock you keep inside you, I think that I've still got so much more to do before I'll be happy and satisfied. And, so much more to try and, and so many other things to achieve. But talking about trying new things, you've written quite a few of the records, co-written quite a few of the records yeah. on this new album. Well, only three, but for me that was still a step forward. Yeah, because that in itself must be the fulfilment of an ambition in a way, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I've been writing for a while and um, started off my writing was really crap, really was bad, and I wouldn't show up anyone it. It was terrible. It was like high school poetry. Then I started to get a bit better with it, and my confidence got a bit better. Then um, when I was working with Prince, he was a real supporter of my writing. He really encouraged me and pushed me to write more, and we ended up writing together. And he cut a couple of my songs. We did a song on the Batman soundtrack that I wrote. And he really told me I had to write more and, and work with other artists and show them my work and, and collaborate. So I started to do that. and. On this album, the producers were coming to me and saying, I saw a song that you wrote, or I heard a song. Let's work together. I like your lyrics. Let's, you know, come up with something. So I wrote a few songs and narrowed it down to three that went the distance, that even after a few months of living with them, I still liked them, so I included them in the album. Were you quite shy of putting forward your own? As you said, you weren't too happy with the things you wrote when you first started. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. shy. Because one of my definite um, negative tendencies is, is a tendency towards being self-conscious and um, fear of what people will say about the work or rejection or, you know, 
all of those terribly limiting things. And um, as I'm getting older, getting less concerned about what people say. And so somebody rejects it, well, I'll bounce back, you know. What's the big deal if somebody says, I don't really like that song. What's, you know, oh, well, wow, you know, what's, what's the point in worrying about it? Um, but, you know, it sounds like such an easy thing to say now, but when I was younger, all those things mattered so terribly much. And now they don't matter as much. I mean, I'm still not this free spirit, but um, I definitely have relaxed more. You'd, well, I would have thought you had room to relax now. I mean, you, you can relax a lot more. You've got less pressure on you. Well, I just think it's because you get older, that's yeah. all. I think yeah. just as, you know, I'll be 32 this year. So I think at 32, you got to be much less uptight than at 22, mm. you know. At 22, you're trying to prove to the world you're this grown-up, together person. Um, you can make it, you won't fail, you'll do it. You know, at 32, you've failed enough. You've fallen on enough banana peels and gotten up and brushed yourself off and walked on. Um, that you know, hey, if I slip on a banana peel, all that will happen is I'll fall on my butt and I'll get back up. You know, I won't die from it. And that's a tremendously freeing notion. But it takes the little knocks you get in life to teach you that. And, and that's one of the joys of, of, of experience and getting older. What are the particular things which inspire you, especially in songwriting? Oh, personal experience, relationships, my friends' relationships. I steal from them all the time. God forbid my girlfriends or my, or my guy friends should have love troubles because they end up in my songs or if you're in the ladies room and you hear somebody having a conversation trashing some guy that's going to be in a song next week do people or, ever recognize themselves and say hang on a second yeah i've had a couple of people go uh sort of uh, relate very strongly to the second verse in that there uh, is that good something to do with uh, me and frank <laughs> yes but you know i'm i protect the uh the names just to protect the innocent i mean obviously i'd never I'd never, if, if someone sat me down and, and told me a terribly personal story, it wouldn't be a song next week for the whole world to see, and they would feel violated. We're talking in general terms, just experiences, and they, and they tend to be experiences that everyone goes through, but just someone telling you that particular story makes you go, oh yeah, I just thought of a phrase or a title or a, a rhythm that would go with that, so. Do you sort of find a, a theme coming up each time when you write a song, a sort of as you were talking about earlier, like fighting back against things where you've been brought down a bit and you've had to fight your way back and sort of thing. Do you find that sort of thing popping up? I think that's a theme in life. And I think you can look at life in, in one or two ways. You can you can take the stance of the victim or the survivor. And I don't like the thought of being victimized by myself or anyone else um, or seeing myself or being seen as a victim. Inside, I feel like my mother instilled in us the resiliency, the, the bounce back mentality. No matter what happens, you'll survive it. You're strong, you've got a good foundation, you'll cope. So I like that to come through in my attitude. In the songs that I choose, you know, that other people write for me and the songs that I write, I don't like to come from the point of view of, you've left me and I will never ever survive. That's it, it's over, my life is gone. I like to say, you dumped me. I'm broken-hearted, but I'll, I'll get there eventually. Have you been there? Mm-hmm. I've been dumped and broken-hearted, yeah. Recently? No, thank God. No. Is this that we're talking about a long time ago before your career really hit off? Oh no, 
Oh, not before my. I was 19 before my career hit off. So I mean, how badly can you be dumped as a teenager? No, I mean, we we th when we're teenagers, we take all those little romantic knocks so seriously. But I think as you get older, you realise that you don't really know about love until you've experienced life. Do you see marriage as quite a gamble in a way? Because you you never are, are going to know everything about the other person. Oh yeah, it's a crapshoot. You know, marriage is always a crapshoot. And for some people it's successful and some people it doesn't work. I don't think marriage is a big evil or, or the big ultimate, you know, saving grace or the, you know, the state to avoid or the state to to yearn for. I think it's just something that sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. Because it's quite an insecure profession, isn't it, anyway? And there's a lot of, you know, broken marriages and that sort of thing. Oh, I so think that, that there's a lot of broken marriages in any profession. The divorce rate's 50% um, in this country and, you know, 50% of the people aren't in the music business. Mm. So that speaks for itself right there. But one imagines it's doubly difficult for you being in the public eye and there's a lot of scrutiny on you and your personal life and things like that. Does that actually make it difficult for you or can you put that aside and carry a normal life? No, it doesn't affect my relationships. A relationship is, is behind closed doors. I mean, you have no idea what goes on behind the closed doors of any personality, you know, in their relationship. You see them dressed up and out to dinner or going into an awards show or getting out of a limousine or, you know, walking through Hyde Park, but you don't see them conduct their relationships. A relationship is a very personal thing. Mm -hmm. There was always a lot of speculation about you and Prince. Was that sort of laughable to you or was there something yeah. going on? Or? No. How did the two of you feel about the talk about it? Was it well, I think the tabloid press is it's a farce to begin with, so if you take it to heart, it's like Monty Python or something, you know, I mean, it's ridiculously out there, so you have to take it for what it is and go, it's just stupid, and hope that the public look at it on the same level. Do you find your lifestyle is incredibly different to how it would be if you were still back home in Scotland? Of course. What, what are the big differences? The differences would be that I would be living there, and, you know, I mean, I don't mean to be difficult about it, but it's, that's like a question that has a book to an answer, you know. I mean, it's obvious what the differences would be. What about the differences in people? Because, I mean, we always consider that American people are very open and very frank about everything. British people are supposed to be quite inhibited. I don't think that's true. I mean, maybe it's just the people that I've been around aren't inhibited. But, I mean, my friends and the people that I know are very loud and very open and very gregarious. And Scottish people are certainly not enclosed people. They're the most friendly people you'll meet. I mean, God, uh, all of my friends who are, you know, like living here, my American friends who go to Britain as tourists come back. If they go on a European jaunt, you know, they're thrilled by their British segment of it because you can stop anybody in the street and ask them for directions and it's a 20-minute conversation. So, no, I think the American people and, and the British people are very similar in that sense. They're very open and giving of themselves. Um, they're not closed people. They're not guarded people. They're not looking over their shoulders and, you know... Not at all. I think the people are very, very similar. And because I mean, your music is very international and touches on many things that are international, but perhaps you get on with everyone anyway on, a, on an equal level. You don't sort of see them as Americans or Scottish or whatever. They just. I think people are people, and we have to stop dwelling on barriers and, and boundaries and all of that. You know, we have to just look at 
take each individual as you find them. That's my feeling. When I'm front, you know, confronted face to face with an individual, yeah, of course, you occasionally meet some obnoxious people, but most of the time, people are good. You know, I believe in the the goodness, the essential goodness of people. You know, and and I don't know, maybe I just live a terribly protected lifestyle, but most people I meet are just pretty damn nice people. You know, no matter where I go, I guess. People are usually pretty warm and friendly and kind. And you have a reputation for being quite tough, though. I mean, are you aware of that? Are you aware of the, the image which you... Being tough? I think it's it's one of those awful words that's associated towards uh, successful women in business. You know, if you're a successful female in business, then you've got to be tough. You've got to be a bitch. You've got to be all those horrible appellations that are, you know, tagged on to you in the press again. I think that if you sat down and talked to anybody that knows me or works with me and then find out what they think of me and then see if they give me the same tag, then I'll live with it. I'd say that I'm strong and I'd say that I run my business well. I know what I want. I don't settle for sloppiness and, and abusive behavior or bad work. I mean, like, inattention to detail and somebody who couldn't give a shit about the job. That bugs me. Um, but I don't think I'm tough. No. But you're a perfectionist. Yeah. Yes. Probably. And that probably drives some people crazy. Mm. But um, I think that you have to be a perfectionist in work. You know, I think that work deserves perfectionism. Uh, if a man was making a cabinet, he would want to make it good. You know, if a woman was making a chair, she'd want to make it a good chair. So why not be like that with our music? It's interesting what you were saying about attitudes towards women who are successful. Do you think that perhaps you've contributed in some way to attitudes towards women because you've been a successful woman? Um, sure, whether I like it or not, yeah, I've contributed in some way. I take responsibility for the fact that I'm a female singer and that um, I'm successful as a businesswoman. And so, um, yeah, I guess I've contributed in some way. Do you find that women do think of you as a sort of a champion in a way? I hope not, because I don't set myself up as a role model. Mm -hmm. um, I think the role models are dangerous. I think that your role model in life should be someone you know personally and, and know their ethical values, their spiritual values, their moral values, you know, their personal standards, all of those things. And if those are something that you want to go after and emulate, then do it. I don't think you should take a picture out of a magazine or a face from television or movies and say, I want to be like that. Do you I find that attitudes that? towards you have changed considerably since you've become very successful? Probably, yeah, but, you know, I don't know. See, I was lucky that my first, very first single was a number one hit all over the world. So I didn't have to go through that period of struggling and then, you know, breaking through. So I kind of came in the front door with success. And then I've had my failures along the way. My failures came, you know, after my first success, then I had more success, then failure, the success. You know, it's been that kind of roller coaster. Um, so I started out being blessed by acceptance. You know, I was lucky to be accepted from the very beginning. So I don't know what to compare it sure. to. You know, I really don't have, you know what I'm saying? I can't say, oh yeah, you know, back in the 
the grim years when I could banging on record company doors and couldn't even get a deal, because I didn't go through that. Mm -hmm. So I'd be lying, I'd be making it up. Mm -hmm. But then, obviously, now you're taken, taken very seriously as a musician and as an artist. Do you find people's attitudes have changed towards you? Fans are fans, no matter what, male or female, mm -hmm. from the first record to this record, fans are fans. They like what they're seeing and hearing and like what you're doing. Fans tend to just give you positive feedback. You know, you don't really get negative feedback from fans. Critics give you the negative feedback, but critics have always hated me from day one to now. You know, I've never been the darling of the critics. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Maybe because I wasn't in their eyes trendy and hip. You know, those fabulous terms, which is not like trendy or hip, or um, what's the words that they used? Uh, alternative, mm. on the alternative subculture and stuff. I was never one of the trendy hip people. But you know, it's great because never having been the critic's darling, I didn't have to fall from grace, mm. you know? That's like saying it's easier as the underdog, as it were. No, because I'm not even an underdog, because an underdog means that, you know, you're a cult. People love you because you're an underdog. Um, I've always been mainstream and successful, and if you're mainstream and successful, then you tend not to be a favorite of the critics, because critics, in general, don't like mainstream artists. So, you know, the critics have always um, leveled their negativity, and that's been since day one, and it'll, it'll be today. But the litmus test is, is that I'm still here, and the public still give me the benefit of the doubt, thank God, and, and people tend to judge the music and find it, you know, pleasing or lacking and respond to either way. They either buy it or don't, listen to it or don't, and give me the chance to go out and make another one, you know? So I know what my close people's attitudes are towards me, the people that I love and care about, and I know how my attitudes and how I feel about life has changed over the years. Are a lot of the people who are close to you, are they people who have always been close to you, or have you a lot of your friends, sort of fairly recent friends? No, my friends are old friends. Mm. Um, my three friends from England I went to college with, um, and we go on vacation every single year. Mm. Um, we see each other at least twice a year. We talk on the phone, write letters, you know, once or twice every month. I mean, we're really close still, you know, since I was 17. And then my close friends in L.A., they've been my friends since I moved here. You can count my friends on one hand, mm. by the way. Do you find it difficult to trust people? Yes, very much yeah. so. Do you think that's... To trust strangers. Mm. I don't find it difficult to trust my friends. I trust them with the, every intimate detail of my life. Do you think that's because of the business you're in, or...? No, it's because yeah. of me. It's because of me. Now you've got a great new image for this album, or it seems to be a new image, to correct me if I'm wrong. See, that always makes me crack up. I love that. You're the first person to say that. I'm so thrilled somebody said I've got a new image. What's new about my image this time? Oh, the, I mean, the photographs that have gone with the album. Is that new? Okay, to be, yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I'm not laughing at you, I'm just laughing at the question. Because uh, there's nothing new about it to me, you know? Um, I don't know what's new about the image. My hair might be slightly longer, but that's because my hair grew, you know? Fashion styles change, don't they? And I like fashion. So um, if I put out an album every two and a half or three years, there'll be a three-year difference in what fashion is. 
My hair said three years to change its length. Either I'm cutting it or I've grown it or I've dyed it a different color. So if you do your hair up and put on a new frock um, and take a picture of that, and then in the last picture, in the last album, you've got a different hairstyle and a different dress, then that's a new image. So that always makes me laugh. It tickles me, you know? <laughs> My mom can get a picture taken. She's just got a new frock on. I get a picture taken, and I've got a new image. It seems to be quite a provocative image, whether it's new or not. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, it's sexy. You're dead, right? Mm -hmm. Some people mm -hmm. might criticize you for it. But so? Why, why should sexiness be criticized? What's wrong with that? Do you feel it's right that that should sell records? I'm not suggesting it does in your Why business. not? If it sells records, more power to it. I hope it sells a shitload of records. You said you're keen on fashion. Are there any particular fashions that you... Um, I like fabrics that move, you know, and fabrics that feel good. I love stretchy kind of velvets, and I love chiffons, and um, I love uh, the new... The, the lycra, um, the goo, you know, movable fabrics. I don't like solid, heavy things. Um, and I love lush, rich colors, and I love textures. And I like simplicity. I don't like layered things. Um, so I like just like a, a dress or, you know, n not like where there's pants and a blouse and a jacket and a coat and a hat and, you know, like that whole multiple layered look. I like it just to be simple and, you know, maybe one color bright. I like, I'm like a kid in a candy store. I like jewel box colors. Mm. Do you ever design anything yourself? Or do you yeah. Do? Yeah, most of the time. The stuff that I have made is a combination of my design and my stylist, Elizabeth. I'll sit down and go, I want, because I can't draw, so I'll go, I want a red dress that's kind of got little thin straps and it's sort of shapes like that, you know, kicks out at the bottom and maybe it's got a bow in the back or something and I'd like it to be velvet and then she'll come up with a sketch and bring me swatches of fabric and then we'll work on it from there. What else do you do when you're actually working? What other, do you have any other hobbies? or? When I'm not actually do? working? Jeez, I'm working 90% of the time. Well, I study astronomy. Do you? Yeah, yeah. Astronomy as opposed to astrology? Yes, very important, yes, yeah. astronomy. Uh-huh. Um, I don't get a chance to do it as much as I used to, um, but uh, I still study astronomy. And um, what else do I do? I read, of course, go to movies, go to dinner, go to, out for pizza with friends, take my dogs for walks, work out, do all the normal things that people do. But astronomy is my only really hobby hobby. You know, like I don't go fishing and I don't collect stamps, but... I go skiing in the winter when I get the odd time off, but I only got a chance to do it once this year because I had no other time off. Does this mean you've got a telescope in your house or yes, I do. an observatory of some kind? No, I just have a telescope. It's not extremely powerful. It's a mid-range, but um, and I have stellar binoculars that are pretty damn good. Um, I think that would sort of surprise quite a few people that you should be into astronomy. Why, why astronomy? Well, because... It's obviously a science subject and it's factual, but to me it's a very creative, artistic subject too. It opens up my mind to, once I start thinking, when I get my books open and I'm reading and I come across, you know, facts about different galaxies and different, you know, structures on each planet and the different gaseous layers and, and all the, just even the theories, you know, Stephen Hawking is a great astronomer and he has a great book, um, uh, The uh, Brief History of Time from uh, 
Big Bang to black holes, and that's great because that that goes into everything from the theory of relativity to quantum mechanics and quantum physics and quarks and quasars and all of those things that I could never get into at school. I was never mathematical or scientifica. You know, I was into languages, to French and Latin and German and all of that. And when I went to college, it was to be a drama teacher. So I always shied away from the sciences. So this, when they start to get, you know, when you're reading and it start to really get into the numbers of it, it starts to go over my head. You know, I can't get into the equations of it. But when they explain it, and explain it in layman's terms, just the, the concepts behind it, that's when I can get excited. So I like to read works that, that deal with the, the, the mathematical concepts. Gone, Jesus, I'm just this little atom. I'm not even a speck of sand. I'm just an atom just that means really nothing in the big picture. And the possibilities out there are amazing. I think it was ZZ Top who signed themselves up to go on the first spaceship to the moon when it's available. Oh, yeah? Would you fancy a trip to the moon? I'd love to. Well, the moon's, eh, old hat now. Who needs to go to the moon? Mm. You know, I look at the moon through my binoculars every night. But I'd love to, uh, I'd just love to go out into space, and it'd be wonderful to go to Mars someday, go beyond Mars. I mean, there's no way we'll ever get to another star because it's so far away. Mm. The closest stars, you know. Do you think you've always been very aware of your status in life, as it were, partly because of the background which you came from, which was a fairly modest one? I mean, do you think that's helped you to appreciate everything that you've earned since? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I grew up working class. Um, my father died when I was 10, and my mother raised us, or six of us, so it was hard for her. And um, I watched her worry. Every night she would worry. She'd go to bed worrying about the rent's due on Monday and so's the electricity bill and so-and-so needs new shoes and so-and-so needs a new dress for the school dance and we always get the shoes and the dress and the rent always get paid and she just got worried and worried and worried and got us through it, you know, and worked, took all the overtime she could at the factory and stuff. So when I started to make money and be successful and be comfortable, Believe you me, I go to bed, and when I'm saying my prayers, I thank God. I mean, that's part of counting my blessings, is that I have a worry-free financial life, and so does my mother now, you know. Is that because you've created that for your mother? Yeah, mm -hmm. of course. Are you still very close, to, or perhaps even closer now, with your mother and your brother and sister? Yeah, as I get older, um, I find that family is even more important. You know, when you're in your early 20s, it's human nature to be, those are your exploring years, your independent years. You know, you're establishing your single unit then. And as you're older, you don't have to force your independence down people's throat. God, if people don't know you're an adult by the time you're 32, they'll never know it. I'm very close to my family. I've always been extremely close to my mother, but I'm very close to my family now. We're all very close-knit. How do they react to your success? Do they find it difficult to... I shouldn't think so. I mean... If they have individual, personal responses to it that's negative, they don't share that with me. So I don't know, but when we get together, we don't talk about... I mean, it'll be, so Hen, when's your new album coming out? Oh, I can't wait to hear it. End of conversation. What else are you going to say, you know? It's like, that's it. We, we talk about family things, and, and when we get together, we're just a family. I mean, we don't sit and... My, one of my sisters is a nurse. We don't sit and quiz her all day about, you know, 
how the guy on bed two is getting on with his his heart treatment, you know. So my job is just my job to them. Maybe when I'm not there, they talk amongst themselves in a, a way about me that I don't observe. But when I'm in the bosom of the family, we're just a family, you know. We have all the dynamics and all the problems and all the 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 stuff that families have to deal with and all the joys and all the worries and all the little things we help each other out with. And Now we know when you come over to Britain to publicize things, mm -hmm. well, do you often go on private trips? To see oh yeah, dead right. I sneak yeah. in. Mm. Sneak in at Gatwick because there's no press there. Do you feel that's where you belong or do you feel very much this is your home? And this no, is this is my home. Right. This is my home here. I don't make any pretense about that just mm. to curry favor when I come to England. This is my home. But um, Britain is always going to be my roots, no matter where I go in the world. Where you're born and where you're raised, your childhood is your roots. It's the roots of your, your adult personality. So whichever geographical area you're in, that's part of who you are, you know. I'm still, you know, a young Scottish girl inside this grown-up woman. So, um... Do you think you might settle back in Britain one day, or you... Who knows, maybe wherever the music takes you? Well, you know, wherever life takes me. I'm not a closed-minded person. Um, I'm very comfortable and happy where I am now, and I have no plans on moving. Mm -hmm. So I'm not closed to any ideas in terms of living anywhere. Do you think that the Scottish people feel a little bit betrayed by the fact you've come to, to America? Why should they? Shouldn't they, you know, why should they feel betrayed? What By me moving to America, it takes nothing away from them. You know, I'm very proud of being Scottish. I talk about being Scottish. Um, I would think I'm a good commercial for Scotland. You know, I think that um, probably the man in the street, the woman in the street, are proud that a Scots person has made it in the arts world, made it in the business world. I'm not notorious for killing somebody or being a, a drug dealer or, um, you know, leading a crime ring or beating people up. You know, I'm successful and and known for for positive achievements, hopefully. So I would think that they probably are proud in some way, because I'm proud every time I see a, a Scottish person that makes it. I'm thrilled about Billy Connolly's big success here in the States now with his TV appearances and stuff. I think you tend to be proud of your own whenever they do well. Their accent's very unusual now, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Do you find that when you go home, it swings back into oh. When, I go, when I'm on the phone with my mother, give me five minutes, and it's completely Scottish again. Well, not completely, because it still has some American stuff in there. But um, then when I come here, it gets more American. I'm the first to admit that I have a bizarre accent. And, uh, Sounds a bit Texan, actually. It does? Yeah. That's sort of the mixture that it's been Maybe, having. yeah, with yeah. the Scottish and the... Mm. Yeah, and I guess it's because, um, you know, 10 years of living here. Although, I spoke to someone who lived here for 26 years, and he sounded completely Scottish and hadn't lost any of it. And I thought, wow, I wonder why I've lost a lot of mine. And the only thing I can think of is that I have a musical ear. You know, I'm a musician, and yeah. I pick up sounds. So, because this isn't a planned accent. I don't get up and go, I think I'll talk like this today, you know. Um, I just talk. It just comes out. So, I guess my ear takes things and absorbs it, you know, and uh, this is what it is. This is just the natural product of my life. Now, as far as performing is concerned, what you, you had a sort of spell of acting with Miami Vice. What's happening to your acting, acting career? Well, 
after that, I went on tour for a year and a half, and then went in the studio for a year. So um, this year, the first year in ten that I won't be doing a concert tour. I'm not going to tour this year for nine months like I usually do. And after I finish promoting the album, um, I'd like to, in the fall or the winter, I'd like to do something else, maybe a tiny, tiny little part in a film or another guest spot on TV. But I'd like to act again because it's important to me. I mean, I got my recording contract when I was at drama school, so I've always wanted to do some acting. And uh, but you just, I'm so busy. And, and one of the negative things about not being part of a group, like if you're in a group, one person, the lead singer can go to Japan while the guitar player goes to Europe and the, you know, the drummer goes to Australia and you promote things. If it's just you, you have to do it all yourself. So I'm always on planes doing something. Have you missed out on any big roles in the fact that you've been in the recording series and you haven't been able to do any acting? Yeah. Have you been sent some really cracking roles that you haven't been able to take up? Yeah. Tell me about them. No. Mm. I think that's tacky to do that. Because then the actresses that are in the parts, oh, right. yeah. then it's kind of like you walking around going, I was offered that before you. That's tacky. You know? Do you fancy a future as a, an actress as much as a... Yeah, but, you know, I'm not going to go in there and attempt to be, quote, the star of my first film, that would be egotistical and stupid. Because as an actress, I am a beginner, I'm a learner, I've got a lot to learn and I'll make a lot of mistakes, and I want to start small and grow, and um, so I'd, li I'd like to take small supporting parts, you know, really small interest in little parts and learn and get better. Um, any of the big things they offer, it's like, why are you even bringing that to me? You know, how do you know I can do this? Just because I have a name attached to it? It's silly, you know? I have to learn before I can set myself up there. Mm. But being an actress is still very much an ambition for you. Oh, yes, absolutely. Mm. That's why I'm not going to do a concert tour this year. I've got to give myself the time to do it. Can you, any particular type of thing you'd like to appear in? Just something where, no, not a soap opera. Something where there's life, life, three dimensions, and life, and spark, and vitality. As far as your life outside of the business is concerned, what, what are your personal ambitions now? Children. Yeah. I want to have children. I'll start with one. You get married first, or...? Doesn't have to be in a marriage situation at all. I want to be a mother. Doesn't mean I want to be a wife. I'd say by the time I'm 35, I'd like to have had a kid. And I'd like to have done some more acting and some more writing and, you know, all those things. So, because I've done... Would you like done... to have a large family like your own? No. no. But... It's too much hard work. Mm. You know, I saw how much my mother had to go through raising six. Mm. Very few people have large families now. They do. I think a lot of people are very sort of environmentally aware of what the consequences are. Yeah. And also, not only that, most people see that, you know, what it takes. You know, you have to be an incredibly, incredibly devoted person to do that. What is it about motherhood which, I don't know, makes you want it, as it were? I mean, is I'm it, a human it? being. Right. You know, most women want to be a mother, most men want to be a father. Not every man or woman does, but most. And I'm just one of the most. You know, I just, I'm a typical human being of the female persuasion that wants to have an offspring. You know, I don't think that I have any approach to it this Remarkable. Do you worry about the future then for our children as yes. it were? Yes, very much. I think that it's our responsibility to be 
educated and politically aware and to fight for what we believe in and to the main gift we can give to our child is a good education and give our child the uh, the intellectual tools to be able to function in a society that's going to be a hundred times more difficult than we think it is today. And do you like to get messages across in your songs? I don't set myself up as a preacher or a teacher in my songs. Um, I discuss my political beliefs, etc. when I'm talking. I can get it across better. You know, if somebody just asks me what I think about a subject, I'll tell them. Um, in my songs, I'm just, you know, making people feel that the main thing is is dealing, my, my music plays more on an emotional level. Um, when, I'm, when I talk to somebody, that's more on an intellectual level. Well, there is one quite topical song on you now. Time Bomb. Yeah. yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, that's obviously an, an environmental song. It's, you know, we're running out of time. It's not a new uh, sentiment. It's not a new idea. Mm -hmm. But it's just another way of, of maybe drawing attention to the fact that we're only got one planet and it's vanishing, mm. you know. Do you feel that a, a person in your position needs to be responsible because you are an influence on other people? No, I don't think that we need to be anything. Me as an individual, I, I immediately bristle when I hear that. Um, that's just the, uh, the stubborn child in me that jumps up and goes, no, 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 no. Um, I like to think as an individual I have freedom of choice and freedom of expression and I'm responsible for myself and you're responsible for yourself and your choices. So I have to say that first and foremost. But I am aware of the fact that as a, an artist and as, as someone in the public eye, people look at you and hear what you're saying. So I would only speak what I felt was the truth and I'd only come out and support a cause that I genuinely believed in. Um, I wouldn't just jump on a bandwagon because it was trendy. Um, so, but I don't like the idea of being a role model for children because I think that's terribly dangerous. Too many kids look at video images or television images and they want to be like that. And I'll always say, you know, they should model themselves after somebody that they know really well and can trust them. They shouldn't trust us because they don't know us. In another ten years, can we project as to roughly, if you had the choice, where you would like to be, what you'd like to be doing? I'd like to, by then I'll be almost 42, so by then I'd definitely like to have had one or two kids. I'd like to have done a series of acting roles, you know. I'd like to be getting better as a writer and um, still performing and doing a good job raising my kids and making my music and doing my art and... I don't know, hopefully gotten a bit better as a person and simple things like everyone else wants out of life. Get better and, and live in a secure, healthy, safe environment.